0: Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of uh, A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. This is a Fuck This Week episode because it's up on Wednesday, which means it's just me talking about the news, trying to make sense of the senseless. Um, who had five weeks down? That's my question to start off this episode. Who had five weeks on their fucking Betfair politics slip? Five weeks for the Metropolitan Police. To dig itself into another fucking hole. <laughs> it's only taken five. Like I think a lot of us. Rightly or wrongly. I think we thought that when Cressida Dick resigned on February the 11th. I think it was. That she quit. February the 10th. Google tells me. Uh, I think we thought. that. Oh well that's it. You know we've cut the head off the snake. So now it's uh, the rest of the snake will now morph into a cuddly fluffy little koala bear. Uh, but no you know, things Things don't work like that. And it's only taken five weeks for the Met to dig itself into a double hole, actually, because yesterday two things at the same time happened. Uh, number one, an oligarch's mansion was commandeered uh, by a protest group who want to use this sanctioned oligarch's mansion as a place to home Ukrainian refugees. So they took the sanctioned mansion and they went, right, Let's put Ukrainian refugees in here. That's a good thing to do, because this guy's probably evil. We'll take his mansion. He's not even living in it. So we'll take it. We'll put Ukrainian refugees. And the Mets' response to this was to send multiple fucking riot vans and riot police going in there with shields. They brought their own Metropolitan Police JCB to put the officers up, like up high so they could talk and negotiate. <laughs> The fucking cost of this must have been about a million pounds. I'm going to put a broad figure of about a million pounds to run that operation yesterday to protect and secure a billionaire's mansion in Belgravia. The whole thing is fucking ridiculous. And obviously, you know, a lot a lot of journalists drew attention and spat ire at the fact that, you know, if you or I called out the Metropolitan Police about a burglary or about squatters, absolutely in no in no fucking distant cousin of reality would the metropolitan police rock up with riot vans and a jcb like so this whole idea that they were just you know just doing what they always do is fucking laughable and it adds like insult to injury when you consider that this oligarch who owns the mansion uh is being sanctioned for criminal activity so it's kind of i mean alleged criminal activity uh is You know, it's sort of why are we protecting this guy's mansion over what? Like, how does that take priority over the housing of Ukrainian refugees in in a political situation as volatile and sensitive as the one that we're in? Anyway, in tandem with that, in parallel to that happening, uh, it came out that I don't think this took place yesterday, but the report of it came out yesterday that uh, two Metropolitan Police officers effectively strip searched a teenage girl in school while she was like menstruating and it was like a a sort of naked search with no appropriate adult present so if you're unfamiliar with sort of police terminology as as i understand it an appropriate adult is someone who is assigned uh when the person is either a child or it, it like doesn't have the cognitive ability of a of an adult um and so that has not you know It it hasn't just raised eyebrows. It's infuriated people. Because imagine, like, if this was your daughter and she was 13 years old, whatever you're suspecting her of, we don't know the details of it. But whatever you suspect her of, how in the name of fuckery are you in a situation where you are strip searching children at, at that age while they're menstruating? It's like these two stories are rising up at the same time on the same day after Cressida Dick has resigned. Just speak to this idea that this is a police force that is completely out of touch and completely out of control. Um, I mean, look, we don't have to go too far back. I don't think, to 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 land at the rich array, rich tapestry of fuck ups of the metropolitan police. I mean, let's go back. Let, let's let's go back twenty years, right? Uh, we've had we we had Stephen Lawrence. Uh, it took them how many decades? to find the guys that did that and attempt to even prosecute them um and eventually we we got somewhere close to justice damalola taylor um the stockwell shooting the london riots brought on by the shooting of an unarmed black guy the sarah everard vigil the fact that fucking wayne cousins was referred to as the rapist by his colleagues and fucking nothing happened or that he wasn't ostracised from the police force off the back of like psych evaluations or something. The, the two poor women who were photographed dead and naked, uh, the, the reported WhatsApp groups where all of these officers joke and laugh about the trauma or, or pain or, or emotional problems that they inflict on people. Uh, the, how about the lawyer woman who dared to give her business card to a teenage girl? The teenage girl was being spoken to by police uh, and then this lawyer lady just happens to be walking past and she gives her business card to this teenage girl. And then she herself, like the lawyer lady, is then pulled aside, taken down to a police station and then stripped, searched and mocked. And then there was video footage or audio footage uh, of the um, of the officers who were then mocking her for her like intimate areas. Like, how about that? Uh, how about the inability to investigate the Conservative Party? for its corruption, for its threatening to defund local authorities if they didn't support the fucking world king. Do you remember that? That was only about a month ago, six weeks ago, when they were, like, trying to whip people into supporting him with Partygate. They were like, well, you know, maybe if you don't support the world king Boris Johnson, maybe you don't get any funding for that new school. Like, how about that? They didn't want to investigate that either. How about the inability to investigate the Conservative Party for lying and law-breaking with regard to illegal parties that breached its own coronavirus act, where other people were suffering from £10,000 fines or £15,000 fines. Uh, the, the, the whole, we don't investigate historical crimes. How about, what else have we got? Uh, the, the, like Just their obvious one rule for them, modus operandi that they've adopted. Then Then we've got the Belgravia mansion, the riot vans, the armed police. And now, again, we've got two police officers in trouble for what sounds like them strip searching a teenage girl with no appropriate adult present. No parent. They have like here's here's the wild thing as well. It's like off the back of the, the Belgravia mansion. You would think I would think as as someone who's sort of relatively media savvy. You know, I don't work in the media any more than you can class this uh, uh, this podcast as being. Uh, like a, a product of sitting somewhere vaguely in media. But, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm a, a front-end developer. I work in tech and I'm a dad. I know about these things. But in terms of, like, media and my understanding of how you manage a crisis and so on, I'm pretty much a layman, right? Other than being a bit of a news junkie. Uh, but I would think, even with my unqualified discipline of, of media management and crisis management, I would have thought... <laughs> It would be better to come out and say, we may have been a bit heavy handed in sending riot vans and a JCB to a Belgravia mansion. And we know that the optics of this don't look great. But actually, we were a little bit worried about X, Y and Z. And uh, through some miscommunications internally, we felt it was more serious than it actually was. And yes, we feel a bit silly, but it was better, better safe than sorry. That's why we sent in the blah, blah, blah. But they didn't do that at all. What they did is they released a Twitter thread of obvious bollocks, just complete bullshit and trying to like feed it to people who have a valid concern for seeing like riot vans resource upon resource upon resource against the backdrop of a police force that is often so stretched that you could wait like an hour, five hours for somebody to turn up when your house gets burgled. So they're feeding you this, but spinning a yarn going like, yeah, well, um, you know, we just treated this like we would treat any other uh, occupied private residence, And then we, yeah, we always send JCBs to play. Oh, yeah. I don't know why everyone's getting so het up about it. I mean, this is just this is uh, basic police. This is what we always it's such utter bullshit. And to be fair, you know, people say a lot of stuff about Dan Hodges. He's a Mail on Sunday uh, columnist and, uh, you know, he attacks Labour at will uh, for fun a lot of the time for the sake of it. Uh, Even problems with the Tory party are somehow problems with Labour. And you can call into question his judgment about an awful lot. Um, But uh, on occasion, he he speaks some truth. And uh, he quote tweeted uh, something yesterday of the Metropolitan Police. And he said something along the lines of that... I will never understand the deployment of resources with the Metropolitan Police because they come off with shit like this <laughs> and expect us to believe that then they're stretched for resources in other situations. And I, I agree with him on that. You know, there's a lot that he and I would disagree about. But on this, I think he's completely on the money. Ditto with Ian Dale. He's a quite highly regarded. Um, uh, I I'd struggle to call him a right winger. But he's conservative, right? He's he's conservative with a small C and somewhere around the centre-right. Um, and he quote-tweeted the Metropolitan Thread trying, where the Met were trying to explain or contextualise why this was a proportionate response. And he just quote-tweeted it. He was like, what utter bollocks. Which for him, as a professional LBC presenter and a conservative with a small C, I think there's something in that. I think it's like, if you fucked off Ian Dale... A conservative and the conservatives are, you know, arguably uh, in this day and age, uh, arguably the party of law and order. Um, If he's, quote, tweeting the Met and saying what utter bollocks, I think that that tells you something about where the Met are at with their crisis management. They have the PR and and media uh, understanding of a five year old fibbing to you about how they broke the lamp. You know, like, I don't know how many of you are are parents, but when your five year old breaks a lamp or smashes a plate or a bowl or something and then you go, what happened? Just tell me what happened. And then the five year old is like, well, um, well, uh, the thing is, is um, actually uh, a gust of wind blew it past the table. And it blew it off and um, I wasn't I wasn't messing around. I wasn't. No, it was it was a gust of wind just like blew past. And it and then a ghost came in and, sm- you know, like, they just tried to fib their way out of trouble because they're so worried and like scared about getting into, quote unquote, trouble. So they make up these ridiculous fibs. And it's kind of like that. they have the understanding, the intellectual breadth and depth of a five year old in that respect. Uh, I had a quick look this morning on um on the Gov UK site to see if they're hiring, like, PR and marketing people, and they're not, which is outright... Like, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, I was all for firing Cressida Dick. I think she was fucking hopeless. But I think probably the Met should have fired their PR and media management arm at the same time, because the way that this shit gets handled is just laughable. Um... Right, here's a better question for you. Here's here's a good question. Uh, What is it going to take for the government, any government, doesn't have to be this current Tory administration, could be the next government if it's Labour or whatever, but what is it going to take for any government to say this whole shit is rotten and it needs rebuilding from the ground up? You know, like to look at the Metropolitan Police and I would argue more broadly, like just British police... What is it going to take to rebuild that from the ground up, to accept that the whole, the way it is set up, the mechanics, the root and branch of it all needs a complete overhaul? What is that going to take? Like, like Cressida Dick resigned and great, you know, see ya, fuck off and write a book and get yourself on Strictly next year and do some interviews in a turtleneck because your publicist told you like, it's uh, it's time to let the people get to know the real Matt Hancock or the real Cressida Dick. You know, like somewhere... But I love this idea that somewhere beneath the self-serving, yet weirdly subservient in Cressida Dick's case, like underneath the cold, callous and cunty exterior, has beaten the heart of a well-kept secret, you know, of a lovable, loving and funny character that's just always been a bit misunderstood, you know? Like, that's the thing with these high-ranking coppers who routinely fuck up and whose incompetence and arrogance results in the humiliation of others and sometimes costs the lives of others. It's really on us, guys. Really, it's just that we've misunderstood them, you know? I love that idea. Anyway, beneath this misunderstanding them or, uh, you know, or us telling them to fuck off or them quitting or our distaste for the Met being put to the side for a month because a high-ranking copper has resigned, nothing, nothing actually changes, does it? You know, like, she quit, and we're all like, okay, go, cool, like, bye. But nothing changes. Like, so what is it going to take for government, or perhaps, like, Sadiq Khan, uh, to say this shit is rotten? This shit needs rebuilding. Like, if if a member of Busted resigned, like, one guy, I know this is a weird metaphor, but just bear with me, right? If a member of Busted quit, and then they get another guy in, it wouldn't be like Busted were suddenly a good rock band. <laughs> you know, like replacing the singer from Busted with another like rock singer, like it doesn't make them Nirvana or the Rolling Stones. Like they were there with their guitars and their drums and vocalists and everything before. They had the components of a rock band, but they failed abysmally at being a good rock band, right? Changing the singer isn't gonna change that. It's the the actual you know the broad mechanics of that entity itself. That so changing the head of the Met doesn't magically solve the issues with the Metropolitan Police. The issues with the Metropolitan Police are cultural, financial, and societal. Right? Cultural, financial, and societal are the issues with the Met. It's not just oh, Cressida. Like we love, we love having a a good v evil story in this country. It's a really easy way to sell papers, is to take a a complex problem, like how we've set up the police force in the United Kingdom, and we water it down to something that's really easy to communicate to the kind of people who buy fucking comic books, like The Sun or The Mail. Uh, And in actual fact, we need to have a quite complex conversation about what makes a bad police force. And as I say, the issues are actually... It's not just look at this evil woman and her name's Cressida and oh, yeah, let's just get rid of her. And then everything's fucking hunky dory. No, the issues are cultural, financial and societal. And it's like, well, fuck it. Let's let's go into in in detail with it. Right. Financial, because it's relatively easy to become a policeman. I know that policemen may comment on this and they may tweet at me and say oh actually it's really difficult don't don't dilute the importance of what I do and you know I'm it was really hard I've, I've studied hard to become a policeman and now I am one so don't please just don't diminish the importance of what I do aid and that's great I'm really proud of you and if you worked hard at it and you create carved out a career at the police force for yourself and you're a good policeman then awesome good for you man but they want people to become police officers but they're not willing to pay a wage that to entice someone away from, say, a better paid career in another field that is perhaps more reflective, traditionally speaking, of a higher intelligence level. <laughs> right. I know that sounds kind of cunty, but like, let, let me join the dots a little bit. Right. So if I'm 20 years old and my mates have gone to uni and I'm thinking about what I want to do, if I'm working in retail or pushing trolleys around, or I sit on a checkout all day, you know, arguably jobs that do not require particularly high IQ. Not everyone that works in retail is an idiot. I I understand that. I totally accept that. And I'm not saying this to disrespect you. But if that's, if I'm 20 years old, and that's my job, maybe a police officer doesn't sound too bad becoming a police officer, you know, like going from £9 an hour in a shop to 20k a year doesn't sound too bad right but without trying to sound elitist or shitty you have to wonder what sort of person you're attracting into the force there right if you're opening entry alluring attract as many candidates as possible if your beginning pitch to people is 20 grand a year what kind of person are you attracting in because the people who can earn more who have the intelligence or the uh Uh, the drive or circumstances or privilege or whatever to do jobs that pay more than that will go off and do the jobs that pay more than that they'll go off into grad schemes they'll go off into apprenticeships they'll try to get hired into a bank they'll do this they'll do that they're not going to be enticed by 20 grand a year into the police force they're just not and that means that like How do I I say this without trying to make myself sound like more of a twat? But like, do, do you understand what I mean? Like, there's tens of thousands of people who love working in retail and they're highly intelligent and they're able to tell right from wrong. And they interact with members of the public in a professional and courteous manner. But there's also a lot of people who fell into retail because sitting on a checkout all day exhausts the limit of their cognitive ability. It just that like, I, I know how that sounds. It sounds horrendously cunty. But just, I know that I've got a point here somewhere, right? Like, like maybe some of them then try to join the police force and fail because they're just too dumb. Maybe that happens. And we've all interacted with people in shops where we're like, and, and I know this is harsh, right? But it's like, we've all done, we've all been in shops where it's like, t- they are taken ages to serve you. And it's ages for them to find the button on the till and is it the right button? And then they scan the thing twice and there's a line of people behind you huffing. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, oh, wow. I sh- like, I should be getting impatient. But actually, this person is so dumb that this experience is almost inspiring. <laughs> you know, like they're trying, you know, <laughs> like it's somebody gave them a shot and they're here trying. And they give you your bag and your receipt and then you're like, yeah, man, you keep on. Keep on chucking, man. (laughs) Like, you keep on at this. Bro, you've got this. You know, like you're rooting for them. They're the underdog. I think there's something in this, you know, this idea that the pay is just too low for police. And so the caliber of people who apply are the people who are trying to escape another shit, thankless occupation, you know? I think that's certainly a chunk of people who end up going into the police force. And and if they're escaping another thankless occupation, like in a... In, in a Tesco's or a Sainsbury's or, a you know, with just as many annoying power trip psychopaths in there. Like, I mean, have you ever worked in a supermarket? Guys, tell me, tweet at me, tell me if you have and tell me if this is your experience. Because I did a Saturday job thing at Budgeons, and then later I moved on to Sainsbury's uh, when I was a teenager. And you definitely get them like this type of person, this sort of person that taps you on the shoulder and says shit like... um. Rita, Rita, yeah, look, I know, I, I think, I I said three cans of runner beans and four cans of baked beans next to it, but you've done four cans of runner beans and then three cans of baked beans, but that's, that's not what I said, is it, Rita? Why, why have you done that, Rita? And she's like, oh, oh my God, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? And then they're like, well, that's that's the wrong attitude, Rita. And that's why you're not the duty manager, Rita. You know, like it's performative power trip pricks. You know, is that your experience? Like, have you guys worked in supermarkets? And is that was that your experience of it, too? Not all of them, like by a stretch. I know there's some lovely people that work in supermarkets. But I think most people who have worked in a supermarket will have worked with one or two personalities like that. So I don't know, like maybe maybe fuck everything I'm saying. Maybe moving from that to the Metropolitan Police is actually a good career move, you know, like transferable skills. <laughs> like in the like in the Police Now Academy. They're like, Have you ever worked for a sociopathic prick before? Are you Oh, you have. Tesco. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, Tesco's basically our junior boot camp now. So you yeah, you're gonna fit in great. You'll be you'll be perfect here, yeah. But I think like What I'm saying is that if it was 40 grand starting salary, you would get people thinking like, well, I I could be a trainee consultant on 25k starting and slog it out. Or I could be a police officer and actually stand a chance at saving for a flat deposit you know you'd get you'd get intelligent people or you'd get more intelligent people in quantity again like i'm not i'm not saying people who work in minimum wage jobs aren't intelligent there's loads of them that have done miniature minimum wage jobs and they've gone from that and progressed and gone upwards and there's people incredible people who work in minimum wage jobs who just they're cool doing that that's what they enjoy and and that's just enough for them and that's great awesome they'd have the opportunity to apply too as well, right? Like if you're in a minimum wage job and then this 40k a year police officer job comes knocking and you've got the cognitive ability to do it, you could apply. I just mean that if you paid better, you'd have a wider pool of candidates and it wouldn't be such slim pickings where you're like, you know, like the police recruitment guys are like, well, we, we put the flyers out, we did the TV adverts and Everything said 21K starting salary. And, you know, and then the guy's like, uh, yeah. And what happened? Where's all the candidates? They're like, well, you're looking at them. This is it. This is all the candidates you managed to do. Yeah. And then a, like camera pans out and it's five men, all unshaven. <laughs> One's like 70 years old. And the, the other look like the row of confused emojis. Like they don't even know why they're there. <laughs> like it's, so that's, that's financial. Right. If you up the starting salary and paid better, you wouldn't have kids with no other other discernible skills with short tempers who, for whatever reason, failed in other industries or disciplines going, oh, fuck it, I'll be a copper. You know, <laughs> that's the financial aspect of it. So what was it? It was financial, cultural and societal. Now, cultural comes as an offshoot of financial, I think. Because once you have so many shit coppers in the building, the culture just changes. <laughs> you know, a room full of shit coppers is its own culture, I think. So let's take it back to shit pop group pop groups. Right? We were talking about Busted before, but fuck Busted, obviously. Let's go with um, S Club 7. So uh, you've got seven members. The culture is rainbows, smiling and shit music, I think. We all understand that. That is the brand. Rainbows, Smiling and Shit Music. Now you switch out six of them. And you bring in the new six and you pay them three pounds a day. (laughs) Three quid a day is what these new six members of S Club 7. You've only got one original member there and the people you get to agree to that three pounds a day are the most desperate sometimes violent socially dysfunctional characters you can imagine and i don't think it's outrageous to entertain that the s club culture might change (laughs) right and it doesn't matter how many internal culture and diversity champions the record company then hire and ironically perhaps S Club 7's Joe could have benefited from a diversity training session by all accounts. But if we if we stick with it as just a metaphor, it doesn't matter how many sessions or questionnaires or glossy pamphlets you print out with multicultural people all laughing along with S Club. If if six out of seven of the S Club 7 are racist, sexist, homophobic sociopaths, it's the whole shit that then needs changing, right? Sack off S Club and start again. You can't fix something as rotten as S Club, which won't... Like, that actually weirdly works both as a metaphor and indeed a critique of S Club 7 itself. I know. Strong fucking metaphor, it turns out. Um, But you just can't. Like, once something is rotten like that, the culture becomes rotten also. And then you just got to start the whole shit again. But so do you see what I mean? Like... The financial constraints fuel the cultural problems, and that's true of wider society too, right? Like because people aren't just born cunty, with the exception of Kirsty Allsop, obviously, but they're, like they're born into hardship, and their parents split up over financial challenge, and that hardship and the stress that it brings. Onto the family unit. You know, like the mother is then raising them solo because the dad was like, oh, well, fuck this. She's just moaning at me the whole time. I, I'm i the main breadwinner. I bring in all, all the money. Why is she always asking me for money? I'm just going to fuck off. I'm just going to leave. I, if I left... I'd actually weirdly be financially better off because I would just pay her maintenance, but then I'd have control of all of my other money. You know, so it breaks up the family. Then the mother's raising them solo, exhausted, with no support network. She's impatient, tired, can't do everything. And that manifests as kids not being raised right for totally forgivable reasons. And like before you know it, the kids on the estate form a gang, and their parents, like the dad isn't there, the mum is too exhausted and knackered or always at work, so she can't sort of rein the kids in. So they go out and they cause trouble, and a new generation of violent or antisocial types is spawned. And so, in the same way as the Met, the lack of financial support becomes the cultural problem. And then we have finally the societal issues with the Met. But the people out in society, you, me, Your mum, your fucking mum, mate, uh, your employer, whoever, right? And our perception of the Met or of any police officer, right? The societal issues with the Met come from both of the aforementioned issues, right? So imagine financial and cultural. So it starts with a lack of funding. It becomes a cultural problem that can't be fixed by just sacking the commissioner, And then it bleeds out into society, the way that they behave, the culture that they've created then bleeds out into society. And then we build this model in our heads of what the police is, like our perception of the police. And so for most of us, then we have this idea, I think, that the police are a force who are there, broadly speaking, to protect the public. So, like, if you murder someone, they'll investigate and odds on they'll figure it out. Uh, and you you'll get prosecuted and so on and jailed and if you ram raid a jewelers or kidnap and hold someone for ransom they'll eventually figure that out and they'll do a press release and there'll be a podium and and they'll say shit like well this is this is what happened officers collected evidence through a range of surveillance operations and then at five twenty this morning the suspects were apprehended and charged and, you know and that sort of stuff right and then we accept and respect the police for that stuff this is our model our perception That we've built of the police. And it absolutely features. All of this stuff features in that model right. Protection. Solving crimes. Detectives. and, And then there's another part of the model. A big part. And it's the interactions that we've all had with the police. Which come directly from that culture. Which comes directly from that underfunding. And this is where it gets icky. Like we've had. I've had. I know people. Friends of mine who've got sexually assaulted and then the coppers turn up and shrug like well it's, uh, it's his word against yours love i mean you know there's nothing more we can do you know like that sort of attitude and we've had i remember me and some friends got pulled over for a drive-by water pistoling, <laughs> like a drive-by shooting but with a super soaker right on a baking hot day it was like 28 degrees And we were driving around Maidenhead. This is years ago. We were all about, um, I guess we would have been about 22, something like that. Pretty young. You know, old enough to know better, but kind of young enough for this, you know, the context of it to be somewhat forgivable. Really hot day, 22 year old kids in a car driving around, spraying out the window. And the two people we did it to, we only did it to a couple, the two people we did it to laughed. Because it was a hot day and actually being sprayed with a water pistol was kind of nice in a weird way. Uh, and it was like there was a sort of parody element to it. You know, we were driving around in this, <laughs> this like lowered Peugeot 306, I think it was, you know, with hip hop blasting out of it, probably looking a little bit gangster. But then out comes this <laughs> water pistol. You know, it's kind of silly, like the juxtaposition of the two. Ele- it was kind of s- silly and stupid. Uh, but unfortunately, a police car saw it and pulled us over, and fuck me gently, you would have thought we were the getaway car from a heist or some shit. You know, the policeman was shouting, abrupt. If we asked questions about what we were supposed to do next, you know, what documents the driver has to show, the responses to him were like curt and snappy, and just the anger level was totally disproportionate. Like that context again, just remember, four kids in a car, driving around with a water pistol on a hot day and this guy is behaving like he's quote-unquote bad cop across the desk from a fucking drug kingpin or some shit you know like is someone filming you do this is it like is there some reason you're being this shouty and commanding and angry and you know it felt like he was auditioning for something it felt like he was kind of showing off maybe to his partner and I, i don't know It's something so weird about it. And as I say, incredibly disproportionate. And so it's that stuff. It's this societal perception of what the police actually is. And you could sort of follow that example back, couldn't you? You could say like, okay, well, look, he is being disproportionate. He's being he's not protecting anyone at that stage. What he's trying to do is effectively punish us. And that's not his job. Uh, So is this a cultural thing? Uh, Has that culture of punishment, of punitive of uh uh, uh res- like restraining and um commanding uh and uh, like being overbearing and threatening that's how it felt was threatening uh is that culture of that a direct result of underfunding like all of these things are linked like had they paid more and hired in at a higher caliber of person of candidate where they were open to dealing with members of the public in a proportionate and respectful way uh then would that interaction have ever taken place and would my perception with the societal perception of the police be built in the way that it is in my brain now off the back of that interaction another another example right i got arrested for drunk driving back in the day long time ago uh, i'm happy to say that nowadays my lifestyle uh is is Markedly different to when I was younger, super soaker uh, drive by shooting people and uh and and drink driving, these are things that I do not do any longer. You'll be pleased to know. Uh, so there's hope for everyone to just turn their life around, right? Um, uh, but yeah, I got arrested for drink driving years and years ago, uh, and it was I think I was 26 because I remember it just it, it was just before i got together with someone which was in 2007 so yeah i was I must have been about 26 um and it was stupid and misguided and all of the other words that people normally describe it as uh, when they get busted doing that stuff uh, selfish dumb short-termist more than anything you know like like great you might get home quicker but then you're driving nowhere for the next year you fucking bellend you know like it's it's it was just fucking stupid uh, and i got breathalysed and then they read my rights as they do. And then I was put in the car and the police car and driven to High Wycombe because Maidenhead police station was full or something, or like all the cells were in use or something. Uh, because at that time, I think Maidenhead still had some fucking nightlife and some spirit in it. Like now, now it's just boarded up units and pound shops and rubble where they've leveled where some bars used to be. Like now, now if I was in Maidenhead, ironically, I'd probably need a drink and I'd grab my fucking car keys to get the fuck out of there. But be that as it may, uh, let's try and stay on point. Uh, at the time, arrested, put in a cell. And then it, here's where it got a bit weird. It's like a few hours later, they, they re-breathalise you. And by that point, I'm under the limit. And so they give me a lift back to my car, which is about 20 minutes away. And in the car on the way there, they're basically mocking me, like asking me what I'm doing that day and i said i was djing for kids parties at the bowling alley cuz that's what i used to do on a sunday i would do like the birthday parties and the games that they do in there and uh, and i take requests and and anyway as i say this oh, i'm djing for kids parties at bowling alley uh the, then the one guy the one officer goes well i, I suppose you'll be feeling a bit down to do that i suppose you'll be feeling a bit stupid after what you did last night won't you won't you you know like it was there was that vibe to it it was like like, oh, I guess you're a fucking moron, really, aren't you? You, f- you fucking idiot. How are you going to go and DJ for kids now after this stuff? Why don't, why don't you stay in your house forever and die of shame? You know, like, like, dude, I I think we've established I did something stupid. You know, do I, do I look like I'm proud <laughs> or happy about this? I'm sat in the back of a police car staring out a rainy window, obviously drenched in shame and self-loathing. And I've got a policeman like, yeah, yeah, you, you are stupid. You know, like, it's like and i know it sounds like i'm trying to gain sympathy or whatever but honestly i'm not like that's the difference right there it's like when people say oh you know what did you expect you expect some sympathy like like a fan of the police if that's not too weird a word fan of the police um people who support the police when i say stuff like this are like well you're trying to gain sympathy well sorry no aid you're not going to get a cuddle off a copper after you broke the law. Like, What the, what the fuck is wrong with you lefties? <laughs> you know, like, nobody's saying they want sympathy. I'm not saying I want sympathy in that situation. It's the, What it is is the total absence of professionalism. It's not this guy's job to judge. That's the thing. It's this guy's job to protect people and uphold the law. And he's done that. He took me away from my car where I could have injured myself or someone else. He's charged me and now he's taking me back to my car because I'm safe to drive again. But as as a professional agent of law enforcement, he should really just say what the next steps are. Give me any references or paperwork I might need. And then he should be on his fucking way. (laughs) That's it. There's no need for rudeness. There's no need for some sort of assertion that I should be embarrassed or ashamed or certainly no need to pull my profession or my job uh, or, you know, or suggest that I I would not be fit to work. Or, you know, it's there's there's a real sort of, um, you know, taking pride in belittling the person in the back of the police car. You know, so he should just be on his way. He should just give the paperwork that I need and make like make sure I'm safe, obviously, and that I'm no longer a danger to anyone. But that's the end of it. That's it. And that is not what most people's experience with the police is like. Most people's experience is like one of, you know, either a laissez-faire attitude to a crime that's been committed where they just sort of shrug and go, oh, uh, can't do much, I'm afraid. You know, it's your word against his rap sheet of decades of the same offence and a pattern of behaviour. But yeah, there's there's not much we can do. You know, it's that sort of thing. That's most people's experience. Most people's experience of a burglary or a break-in is not four fucking riot vans and a JCB turning up and re-securing the property. Most people's model of what the police in the UK is is not helpful, friendly coppers, even though, weirdly, honestly, most coppers probably are, for the most part, nice and friendly. Uh, Most people's experience is when something goes wrong and the nice and friendly copper is challenged to outside the parameters of what they can personally handle, whether that's like being assaulted or that they perceive a threat is coming at them and they don't know how to handle it or don't know how to handle it professionally or gently or in a way that's going to de-escalate things Uh, or they don't even they, they can't handle being shouted at by a member of the public when that person is drunk or, you know, And that's where we get this societal feeling that they're not fit for purpose because they haven't been trained or honed or had the the bad apples filtered out because they're underfunded, because they attract, arguably, you know, again, not everyone that they hire and train is a low calibre candidate. But again, because of the financial challenges that they face. Uh, they do inarguably attract low-calibre candidates. And then they fail to root out the bad apples because they're desperate for people to still want to be police officers. So basically, don't rock the boat. Don't You know, why are we going to psych-evaluate these people? We, we, you asked for 20 coppers, we've got your 20 coppers. Don't fucking rock the boat, you know? And the output of that is cultural problems. And then that sort of spills out into, as, as I've said, like societal issues. And as I, again, like as I've said... It's not something that you can then fix by hiring a few like culture and diversity consultants to, oh, we, we better train people. We better remind people that they should be like X instead of like Y. Well, no, I'm sorry. Like if you <laughs> if you're hiring in a certain type of person and you're not filtering out the, this other type of person, it doesn't matter if you then sit them down and say, um, remember, don't do this. It's you know, it's too late. If you would like to support this podcast... Sorry, I know this has been a real ranty one. Not, not We haven't had so many doodles on this one. But um, if you would like to support the pro- podcast, I do a solo show every Wednesday. Uh, sometimes it's about UK news. Sometimes it's weird and wonderful US news stories. Um, and then Friday night is a live stream where I talk with a guest. Um, previous guests have included Otto English, Jim Felton, Dane Baptiste... Gemma Forte, Super Tansky. Um please do consider checking out the Patreon or buy me a coffee links on the podcast pages. Uh, every podcast episode is available at funk-27.co.uk. That's funk-27 dot co uk loads of podcasts and blogs on there you aren't compelled to donate anything obviously it's all free to watch and enjoy um and i know we're all struggling a little bit now but if you are in a position to support the fastest growing podcast to have ever emerged from inside this shed then a coffee or beer would be fantastic uh, guests coming up on future episodes include irish comedian john mayer and poker player and la stand-up comic joe stapleton I'll be back this Friday night. Thanks once again. Catch up with all of you soon. Cheerio. Bye.